Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and welcome back after all these months to Care for Free. Approximately I'm 12 and a half. Oh, and I'm yeah, David. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's yeah. been a minute. You can tell it's been a minute because we're just talking over each other, even though we're looking right at each other. I was looking off to the side. <laughs> so I can't even I can't even claim that. We continue to be the one podcast that will bring you the hard truth that you would never find out if not for <laughs> us telling you the truth. They, they can't see is the our Zoom fatal call. flaw. No. Yeah. No. Uh, we should say right now we are on a Zoom call because that's what people do now. That's correct. We are attempting to do this in two different places because that is how you have to do everything now. Yeah. Because we are confined to our four walls. And I am desperately hoping that I will maintain some semblance of sanity when this is over, but we will find out, Emily. Mm -hmm. David is wearing his wife's work headset, and I am wearing my boyfriend's gaming headset, in case you were wondering where our lives are. <laughs> yeah, and we should swap, because mine looks clearly too small on my head, and yours is engulfing yours. <laughs> right. You look like Britney Spears, and I look like a, like a production <laughs> assistant on a very serious film. Yeah, yeah, I should just call you Radar for the rest of this one. Yeah, and I'm like, Nolan needs the tapes. <laughs> yes. I don't know what kind of tapes, but he needs them. He needs them. Where are they? Can we get somebody from, can we get somebody from production down here now? We need the tapes, damn it. What's next? What's next? I'm seriously thinking about getting back into that show. I've watched all of it twice. Three times? I don't know, a number of times. I might do it again. West Wing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't gone past season four. Which, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, we approach these things from two different sides, which we've all we've known this all along, right? Mm -hmm. You're very big on like, this is what I love about it. I love it to death. And if I add something that changes that, that might change how I feel about it. And that's valid. And then mine is once I care about something over like a minimum threshold, I become a like content sponge for it. And if it exists, I have to know about it. Right. Yeah. So that has if, become more of an issue lately since community is on Netflix and I'm like favorite show ever have the first three seasons memorized. We'll never watch an episode of four. Just not for it's me. It's right there though. It's right there. And it, it's on Netflix now, so it just automatically plays. Yeah. It's not like Hulu, where you have to like click the three lines button instead of the enter button. Hulu's <laughs> a bad interface. It's time yeah. somebody called them out. No, they're bad. To their yeah. credit, I mean, they seem to be trying to improve the product. They're very big on like, all right, you know what? All of it's on here now. And you're like, okay, okay. whoa, Hulu, Hulu's, Hulu has live sports. Hulu has live sports. Hulu has live sports. I have right? seen all kinds of professional athletes telling me Hulu has live sports. Yeah. And now the two of us, two other professional athletes have done it as well for free. So who's the, who are the suckers here? Um, <laughs> but at the same time, they don't seem to have put in the time on their interface. So, you know, maybe you should make a call. I'll make a call. How? I wonder, David, could you hear me swallowing my tea at that when I did that just now? <laughs> I want to know if it's going to show up in the audio. I'm not sure. I think I may have heard it. Okay, Maybe. well, I'm going to hold off on the rest of that cup then because nobody likes to hear. It's not, this is not that kind of podcast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, um, 
we could you could try it one more time just to confirm. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Mmm, tea. This is NPR. <laughs> no, I didn't hear a thing. Okay, great. And we might get sued by NPR, but that's okay. I'd be so upset if I got sued by NPR. That's I'd like I'd be thrilled to just I'd be like, can I I'm gonna call I think we need depositions from Sam Sanders, Linda Holmes, <laughs> Ari Shapiro. Uh, we gotta meet all of Audie Cornish for sure. We're we're yeah. really gonna have to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, that would um. Yeah, that's a good point actually. I guess if if it brings us closer to their orbit, that's only a good thing. Yeah, sure. We we I, no. I. <laughs> I've been through... Okay. Have you, David? Have you ever listened to This American Life? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I can so John Mulaney and Nick Kroll are doing a podcast based on their ridiculous characters from their like Broadway show that was based on their Kroll show sketch. It's a delightful like mm-hmm. podcast. It's ridiculous. Uh, but they their first episode, they're like they call Ira Glass and harass him in character. And I thought it was so funny. Uh-huh. And Mike was like not really feeling it as much as I like he thinks the podcast is funny but he didn't think it was as funny the ways they were insulting Ira Glass so I was Uh like is the American public at large familiar with Ira Glass and why this is funny or not what's your take on this I don't I don't think that the American public at large is super familiar with Ira Glass I don't think so and I definitely don't think they're familiar enough with him to understand like inside jokes related to him yeah. However, I also have not heard this um, this routine that you're talking about, but it sounds like I probably would have thought it was funny. Yeah, I think you probably would have. Yeah. It was just like they were instructing Ira Glass on the ways to tell a personal story on a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I think I'd be into that. That sounds good. Great. Uh, no, I, as usual, I think the problem here is Mike. He plays ultimate. You know, yeah. it's, it's tough. Mm, yeah, although nobody plays anything right now. Bro, uh, don't get me started. I, 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 I think I knew. I, I'm pretty sure I knew. I definitely figured out over the course of the last year, where I think I had to do like a lot of just like uh, mental and emotional internal review. Right? I figured out how important, from just a purely therapeutic sense, um, playing basketball was for me. Mm. However, I don't know if I fully internalized how important it was the specific playing of five on five basketball Mm -hmm. running up and down the court you know because even now I've got one goal down the street that I can shoot on by myself and that helps that helps a lot to be able to just go out and get some shots up but the first time that I'm able to go back out and run fives and you know run a pick and roll I might cry and I won't even feel bad about it I feel like everybody else will get it they'll be like you're right you're right Oh, yeah. I feel that way about, like, going out for a beer in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, which is clearly a far less healthy habit and and contributes to the lifestyle difference between yourself and myself. I don't know if that's true. There's nothing wrong with going out and getting some sunshine. Or maybe a bookstore. Maybe shopping in person for a book is going to be my thing that I'll cry doing. Oh, I get. here we go. This is what you're going to do. You're going to open a bookstore bar. Uh, that is truly the dream since I the first time I saw you've got mail and I know that like 
in-person retail is not the way of the future. But I think that if I could like, I don't know, win the lottery, I could just pour all my money into a losing business that would make me very happy for the next 40 years. I don't know, man. Amazon went through all this trouble to kill off the in-person business, and then they turned around and opened an in-person business in the domain. So on some level, (laughs) the first time I saw it, I was like, you have to be kidding me. I was mad. Have you been in there? Yes, I have. Have you bought a book there? No, I have not. I am ashamed to say I did buy a book there. But I need to tell you about the experience because it was the craziest thing ever. This was the day where I was in Austin and I was like, I'm coming to football. And then I missed it. So I just walked over to the domain because um, I got up too late. <laughs> um, I'm so bad. But, I'm so bad. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I walked over to the bookstore and I, well, okay, at no point, I don't have the Amazon app on my phone. I was logged on on my browser, but I wasn't connected to their Wi-Fi. This is the stage set. I mm-hmm. picked up the book I was going to buy. I walked up to the counter. The woman said, hello, Emily. I had not given her my card yet. It There's one price that's like standard price and then there's a second price for prime members. Right. It automatically gave me the prime member price. Mm-hmm. I did not have to, like, it was like, okay, we've charged your card. And I left with the book. That's pretty wild. It was insane it was so like my sister was like oh they probably got it off your credit card and i was like yeah and then later i was like no they didn't have my credit card at the time it was wild it was very convenient but so uncanny that i'll never do it again also i am trying to support independent bookstores more and be an ethical spender since you know that's a privilege that i have i guess yeah i i went in and uh, I just looked around and I left kind of for that reason. I was I was still stuck in, as you know, I'm very prone to doing. I was stuck in the curmudgeonly, I, I'm still mad this even exists. I'm, this is so silly. The whole point was that you thought we didn't need bookstores and now you've opened the bookstore. <laughs> Explain yourself. But now with your story, I'm thinking is, I guess must've just been the Amazon app was tracking location. And I'm like, well, now I don't even know if I'm going to go in the store ever again. Yeah. It it was just, I mean, it wasn't, you didn't have to have the app. You just have to have the browser. That's wild. Yeah. It's so wild. That's Uh, wild. So anyway, speaking of dystopian nightmares, Hey David, how's life? Catch us up on the last year or so. Yeah, I was going to say, we've uh, gotten, I'm actually kind of proud of us for getting pretty far into this without actually doing the thing we should have let off with, which was probably just a brief explanation of where we've been, right? Yeah, but you know where I've been, and I know where you've been. It's just... It's true. Who else would even need to know? Yeah, right? Yeah, except our loyal listeners. Right, right. Which we, if we have loyal listeners after a year-long hiatus, that's (laughs) next-level loyal listener. But, you know, we'll find out. (laughs) <laughs> really all listeners are your friends if you think about it think about it yeah okay quit pandering tell us what's going on me pander yeah. uh, all right let's let's do it um so what has changed in the last year right the last year i have switched jobs first off which is interesting um i'm still a lawyer everyone um but now uh i do less litigation and i don't do personal um personal injury or civil work anymore now i work in education uh specifically public education so i work with schools so now 
most of my day is answering very interesting and varied questions about what children, parents, and teachers are doing in our schools day to day. So that's a big change. Um, I have a dog now. Her name is Ahsoka. She is almost a year old. She is very cute and constantly getting on my nerves, but that's more my fault than hers. Um, so she's good. Things are good. We, life's going on. Uh, since then, I'm now trapped in my house as Emily is because, uh, spoilers, we, the entire, the entire Western hemisphere and most of Europe too, I think, right, yeah. is under in place quarantine because a virus has swept the world that is killing millions of people. Yeah. So what better time to hop back on the mic exactly. <laughs> talk about things yeah. that everybody really cares about. Yeah. And as much as David and I, I'm sure, are going to gripe about in-place quarantine and already have, uh, we're pro. <laughs> we are pro-flattening the curve. We are pro-staying home, etc. We do not want Texas to open up next week. I mean, I don't. I assume you don't, but... I don't. Stay yeah. home. Stay don't home. I don't want to do this for two years. I want to do this for, like, six months if we can make it happen that way. Ugh, yeah, that makes yeah. the stomach turn, but also way better than two years. And, again, it's honestly not even about me wanting to leave my house. It's about, hey, there's many people dying. Let's try and have less of that. Mm-hmm. Seems like a seems like a thing we should aim for. And if if me staying inside means that other people won't literally die i'd like to do that and i think right. we should all try and do that so yeah, yeah. and How about if you're you, listening to this podcast while not doing that please change <laughs> <laughs> yes you're uh, only allowed to listen to this inside your home yeah or, or on a walk with yeah while you are six feet away from other people i went to a bagel shop yesterday because we were getting brunch trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy and the guy in front of me six feet ahead of me we're both normal humans and this guy comes up behind me and goes as we're standing outside and he goes is there a big line in there and i was like uh yeah i think this is just the six foot distancing line and i was like way more like aggressive on the passive aggressive scale than i normally Mm -hmm. am and Mm -hmm. he didn't move he was like oh okay i was like no 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 six foot six foot i I, yeah yeah Here's I'm the thing: if, more if, aggressive than passive these days. That's good and it's appropriate. And I mean, here's the thing: if that guy um, hadn't yet gotten the message from the, I don't know, thousands of messages that every government official has sent out, well, almost every government official has sent out over the past few months, then you being a little passive aggressive probably wasn't going to get through to him either. But we got to try. We have to. We, have we to. absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, the same thing happened to me. I was less aggressive than you were. I, what? <laughs> actually, the same thing happened to me uh, where I was in the line for the grocery store, which going to the grocery store is suddenly the most stressful thing, which is kind of wild. I didn't, I didn't really think about that. I actually kind of anticipated it would be the opposite where you could just say, you know what? We're in the grocery store. I, don't, I literally don't have to talk to anyone. If anyone's coming, I just move out of the way. But here's the thing. It's such a stark split between all of these people who are, as a group, trying to practice social distancing. And then there's always the four or five, eight percent of people who are, it seems like, aggressively trying to not do it. Like, they're trying to, like, hop in people's baskets. And whether <laughs> you 
it's stressful when you're trying to avoid other people, but it also, it's honestly just stressful seeing someone else trying to avoid another person who just won't let them do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so, it's so stressful, it but it happens to me, social distance. it really does. Uh, and I was standing in line to come in and this woman gets in line behind me and she is a foot and a half back mm-hmm. from me. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just like, I don't know how she's not getting the message because literally everyone else is maintained this full six feet, basically street, like, backing up through the parking lot to keep the space uh and this lady is just dead and I, I was like hey, you know i'm just gonna pull up a little bit maybe i'll go five and a half feet behind the other person she just steps up too she's just saying we're gonna be a foot and a half apart mm-hmm. so then what i ended up having to do is instead of us being in a straight line i just stood five feet off to the right <laughs> because, <laughs> and i just moved forward that way because Apparently that apparently she didn't want she didn't want to get any closer then because maybe then she was like well then it's gonna look like I'm trying to skip him so I think it worked but so I just stood off to the right in a triangle from the other people because she wouldn't back up so yeah it's it's wild times it's yeah. wild times we live I I always want to scream we live in a society at people but I think that's from the Joker. I think that people, because I've seen people saying we live in a society yeah. on the internet around the same time as the Joker <laughs> yes. came out. I think and you're right. I think we're doing it as like a meme on the Joker, but I <gasps> am inadvertently quoting the Joker. Probably, but guess what? We don't know because it's a movie that neither of us have seen. Yeah, and no. I won't see it. I have a moral Same. Yeah. I we're in the same <laughs> spot. Academy Award winner for Best Actor, Joaquin Phoenix. I will Bruh. never, ever watch it. That man got up on stage at the Academy Awards and said, I could talk about racism, sexism, or homophobia, but I'm going to spin you a horrifying visual web about animal rights. We were like, all right, dude. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. It, you know, <laughs> don't hurt animals, but also... That's the one of the, those three that are those four you're picking. I mean, you know, everyone's got their causes. I get it. I yeah. was just kind of like, I, I already generally, it, this is probably hard to believe. I already generally don't root for the villain in most movies. <laughs> um, and so honestly, most of the time, cause it happens all the time where they say, we're going to make a movie. This one's about the villain. Yeah. Um, I usually honestly default to sand. So that's probably not for me. Cause it, I'm, right. I'm not really interested and we and it also because now we're in this new trend where the movie about the villain also usually means we're going to try and make you feel bad for the villain mm-hmm. and i don't really i, I don't I, I, yeah okay i, really I have don't. a hot take about them the the one purely successful version of that go for it wicked yes yeah that's true i absolutely came out of wicked the story like, it was adapting is old as heck it was yeah. just like like, oh, yeah, you could think about the witch and we'll give her some great songs and now you'll be, you know, fine with her. But you don't watch The Wizard of Oz and be like, oh, poor Elphaba. Like, you're supposed to, I think, watch Dark Knight now and be like, oh, poor dad, poor Joker. His dad yeah. might also be Bruce Wayne's dad. That movie yeah. sounds stupid. Pass. Yeah. Pass. Hard pass. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just don't work. Yeah. It just don't work. Oh, OK. So what I've been up to over the mm-hmm. last year other than not watching The Joker, which I have mm. spent the entire last year not doing. <laughs> it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's been a great year of not watching The Joker. It wasn't out for the whole time I was not watching it, but yeah. I have been not watching it the whole time. 
Uh, I moved to Houston. I'm still in the same job, still working in voting rights now more than ever. Um, and we are, we had a primary election. We were like, we came out of the primary election and we were like, okay, there were long lines everywhere and that's unacceptable. So we know what to push counties to do. And then the entire world shut down and we were like, okay, so we have to continue to push counties to not <laughs> yeah. have their longest lines in black and brown neighborhoods. We yeah. also have to push the state to do mail-in ballots. We yeah. were in a court case this week, this past Wednesday, where the state said that fear of getting coronavirus is an emotional condition and an emotional condition cannot get you a mail-in ballot, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I mean, sure, the fear of it might be emotional, but the possibility of it is medical. And yeah, you're like, we're not really trying to protect people from being afraid of it. We're actually yeah. trying to protect people from getting, getting it. it yeah, and spreading it. Yeah. Also, their other big argument is that if you can go to the grocery store, you can vote in person, which is crazy because we've just talked about how awful it is to go to the grocery store. Also, they offer curbside and delivery, and you don't have a constitutional right to the grocery store. Anyway, so clearly yeah, I'm still in the same job. And also, everyone keeps saying, actually, we would prefer to not go to the grocery store. Yes. But we have to go to the grocery store sometimes to eat, but where there are alternatives, we avail ourselves of those regularly. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and grocery stores have made that pretty easy in a lot of instances. Anyway, it's so true. I'm still doing voting rights, still a lawyer, but only kind of. Um, anyway. And I also got a dog, but it was way more recently. Uh, we got Roxy on Thursday, um, and she's like, she's three and a half, and we had been applying, I've been applying for dogs, like, like it was my second job, just like, please let me have this dog, please let me have this dog, please let me have this dog, and everybody was like, no, we don't want you to have that dog, and then we tried one more website that, but this one had, like, rehoming pets instead of just, like, shelter pets, mm -hmm. um, and this guy was like, we're going, maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I doubt he'll ever listen, was like, <laughs> we're going on an RV trip with our kids this summer, because they have all this extra time off school, uh, so we want to get rid of our dog, just all like just a string of decisions that are incomprehensible yeah. to me and mm -hmm. the whole time I was like oh you can't go on an RV trip right now you can't touch everything from here to the northeast right now that's yeah so, why are you doing that so crazy uh but yes I will take your dog I was just like I just won't say anything I will pass no judgment on your life decisions I want your dog and so the now we have their dog the RV trip isn't to the northeast is it yes do you know oh my Yes. Uh, heart of yeah. storm heart of darkness yeah okay yeah. i at least uh, assume they were like going out to the wilderness but no they're like we you know yeah. what in the middle of this whole thing we got we gotta find we we need denser crowds is what we're missing we're just yeah. missing being in closer proximity yeah people. and i would just love to touch all the gas station handles that those people have also touched you know yeah i just got to get in on that yeah oh my gosh uh Incredible. so and they were like we're gonna wait till well, you know maybe it gets closer to summer and things settle down it's like the the peak in dc i read an article because i'm a stress reader that said the peak in dc is supposed to be in june so mm. Mm. <laughs> but uh roxy will not be going with them she lives with us now and she came with that name but you know we were like maybe we should change it but we get to sing roxanne at her a lot and we get to yeah. sing the the song from chicago at her a lot <laughs> <laughs> mike hasn't seen chicago and he heard the song once but now he's singing it <laughs> uh i have not either 
uh, it's good. Musicals, strange blind spot for me. Not totally sure why. Oh, that's weird. Uh, yeah, the, it, it very much is. I've seen four, five, maybe, total. Uh, it really doesn't check out at all. It's kind of everything I like about, you know, art. <laughs> I love, I love really? the stage. I love the stage work. I love the musical numbers. I love the performances. Um, why don't I watch more musicals? Not super sure. If I had to guess, I think it's because um, so many musicals, also by the nature of what they are, they just they just need you to feel so much. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I think I usually try to avoid things that are like, you need to feel. I'm like, ah, I'll feel when I have to. That's okay. Yeah. So I, I actually think that's a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think when this is all over, you and me should try to see a touring production of Hades Town. Okay. Let's do it. That's that's like I feel like it's like a neutral one. It's based on mythology that I think you'll like know a little bit about and be interested in. And it's kind of it's kind of Hamilton esque. It seems like it couldn't exist without Hamilton existing. And we did <laughs> see Hamilton together, so we did. Let's do it. That sounds yeah, good. Cool. Uh, who do you do you want to go first or should I go first? Or? Oh boy, um, I can go first. You want me yeah. to go first? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I want you to go first. I'll go Mine's first, really though. dumb, so I want to know how serious <laughs> I should I should be. Uh, nothing. I don't think we've ever done anything on here that was dumb. I let's see. I distinctly remember I talked about worms at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, I got furious at a statue. So mm -hmm. yeah, very, very, very serious uh, endeavor that that yeah. we're undertaking here. Well, I've been holding off on this one because I think it's really dumb, but I. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We're coming back. I'm talking about it. All righty. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go. You ready? Hey, yeah. are you ready? David, I am ready. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take another drink of tea to show you how ready I am. Oh, you should do that. I'll get quiet. This is, no, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Actually, oh, oops. Uh, I have... A sentence for you. And that I am ready for that sentence. And that sentence is. Actually, I don't know if you're ready. You ready? Are you sure? Oh you're my ready? god. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. All right. Hey, cool. Hang all on. Right, I gotta right. go get something. See, that's why I asked because <laughs> I wasn't sure. I was ready, ready until you asked again, and then I was. You know like, what I'm saying? No, I'm ready. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You might be ready. All right. Here all we right. go. Okay. Koi wolves are not a new species. Do you care? I I want so like the whole premise of the podcast is that we increase caring, right? Like that you start like caring not as much and then you end up caring a lot. But mm -hmm. I have I have some advantage here because since I met Celine Vanderwalt, koi wolves have been a part of my life in some <laughs> form. So I do I do care about this already, but I'm very interested to know more. Well, specifically, they're not a new species. That's new what species. I want. That's what I want to get at here. Okay, I I feel like they kind of are a new species, but I don't have any basis in fact for that. So I'm going to say I don't care. I don't care that they're not a. Or maybe I disagree, so it means I do care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't really care about the species. I just like them as, as beings. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, for backstory, 
mm-hmm. for those of you who are listening who don't uh, already have some preconceived notion, the Koi Wolf, <laughs> the Koi Wolf uh, emerged as a, let's say, new and hip creature in zoological circles. Is that a ludicrous enough sentence? No, uh, in the early 2010s, um, when nature observers across the U.S. were getting real hype about a new apex predator that they found just sort of sweeping the eastern United States. Um, uh, can I just say I love that you started this like an infomercial, like forget everything you knew about koi wolves. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what we we're going. It's like blank slate. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get you caught up on the real over here uh, and so the koi wolf kind of swept kind of swept the nation in these very specific circles <laughs> in the early 2010s <laughs> um and i first encountered it um watching a pbs documentary called meet the koi wolf uh if anyone's interested you can find it online it's from season 32 episode 10 of nature the very creatively named PBS documentary series. There was also a uh, widely shared economist article. So, you know, pretty reputable where people are saying, let's talk about the koi wolf. Um, And you'd be able to tell pretty easily what I'm talking about if you saw it in writing. But just to sum it up, the koi wolf is a hybrid animal that is the result of breeding between Eastern gray wolves and coyotes in the United States. And so what I can tell you is about 100 years ago, the eastern gray wolf, which was the apex predator across basically all of the United States and Canada, was reaching a population nadir from a result of overhunting by humans and overexpansion of just humans in space into their previously widespread haunts. Uh, across the eastern forest. As as the United States grew, as we industrialized, we chopped down trees, we built bigger cities, the farmers bit, built bigger farms. They killed all the wolves because the wolves ate their sheep, goats, chickens, what have you. What Not have the you? cows, I think. Not the cows. I think cows and horses. Cows and horses, I think, usually pretty safe, safe from wolves. wolves. Yeah. But also, maybe not, now that I think about it, because the wolves in Yellowstone hunt the buffalo. So if wolves in Yellowstone can hunt (laughs) buffalo, I see no reason that a wolf in, let's say, Ohio, because anytime you say the eastern United States, people go, Ohio! Um, In Ohio, I see no reason they couldn't take down a Holstein, you know? That seems appropriate. Well, they are very coy, so they could probably get away with it. Well, we're talking about wolves. Yeah. They are pretty coy. Yeah. No, these are wolves. These are wolves, Emily. Oh, these are regular wolves? Yeah, we're just doing regular wolves. We're just doing yeah. regular wolves. Okay, yeah. well, they're not here, very coy, so maybe they couldn't get away with it. Here's the thing. Regular wolves are super coy. That's the whole thing, oh, right? But they're not coy wolves. <laughs> no, they're not coy wolves. Oh, but just... you're saying all wolves are coy. Yeah, they're not coy wolves. They are coy wolves. Ah, uh, I don't know if I'm tracking anymore. I don't think I was ready. That's, see, this is why I asked if you were ready, <laughs> because I knew that I was going to have to explain that we're talking about the yeah, koi yeah. wolf, which comes from wolves, which are koi, and coyotes, which are not koi, but the koi in the word They're koi kai. wolf comes from coyote. Yeah. Right? So I was just like, I don't know if we're ready. We're, oh, playing, yes. we're playing alphabet soup. Yeah. But, but so, regular wolves, population nadir. Yeah. They was, they was killing cows, we concluded, because they hunt <laughs> buffalo. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> 
if cows then buffalo <laughs> yes if uh, yes no, if exactly buffalo, then cows yeah yes and so uh in america and in canada they killed just about all the wolves and it resulted in a, for when you got to about a century ago the remaining wolves in the eastern United States and Canada were basically confined to ride around the Great Lakes region and up in New Brunswick, kind of just in that little zone. That's really all we had left in terms of a wolf population. Yeah. Now, as wolves were pushed out of that space, coyotes moved in, uh, which makes sense because coyotes are less coy. And so they're a little little more used to being around people and human populations. And they're also smaller. Uh, so they, and they generally don't travel in packs as large mm-hmm. and they, um, they take down a more diverse set of prey and food. And right. so they're just generally more adaptable to human environments. So as the, as the coyotes spread and the wolves shrank, coyotes and wolves usually do not interbreed. In fact, generally, if a wolf spots a coyote, the wolf's first thought is sweet lunch. But if they find themselves in a situation where their populations have become so limited that they're struggling to find adequate mates in their own species, they will branch out. And it turns out that that's exactly what happened with coyotes and the eastern wolves, the eastern gray wolves, about 100 years ago. The resulting offspring uh, ended up being bigger and stronger than coyotes, so they're able to take down larger prey and they're able to defend themselves, Mm -hmm. but they were much bolder than wolves and they ate a wider array of food. Mm-hmm. And so this resulted in this new apex predator that was able to fill in the void down the entire eastern seaboard, all the way down to Florida. We ended up getting these, what came to be known as koi wolves. Huh. Uh, now, down to Florida. Then, all the way down to Florida. They're Dang. all over. Yeah. All over. Um, and so that's kind of where uh, the PBS documentary, Meet the Cold Wolf, kind of left it. They kind of said, they're here, they're everywhere, they're expanding further, they're all over the place. They're here, Koi they're coy, get used to it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am here, I am a coy wolf, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm new in town, exactly. and I'm not going anywhere. Um, exactly. Yes, and so... What I can tell you is that since then, and so that kind of left all, the, all, all everyone uh, was a Twitter in the zoological world. They're like, we, the American predator is now the koi wolf. What happens to the wolves? What happens to coyotes? It matters not. All is koi wolf. <laughs> Respect and acknowledge koi wolf. <laughs> but what ends up happening in, in actuality is um, due to American and Canadian conservation efforts, the wolf population has actually rebounded. So they're back to just kind of doing their wolf thing, but they're still confined to a smaller space than before. So still across largely most of the eastern seaboard, there's still a lot more of these koi wolves. Hang on, David. You mean to tell me that we made an effort to undo human damage and it worked? Yeah, we did. Mostly, <laughs> mostly through isolation. <laughs> That's crazy. That there's. Are you saying that that could work in other areas? It just might, if you oh, stick boy. to it long enough. <laughs> okay, this is a total aside, but I really love the tweets that are like, uh, the earth is returning. Have you seen those where it's like, like yes. because it started because in Venice, now that people are inside, there are like literally dolphins in the canals and everything's clear and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then, then like, but now it'll be like, 
a line outside a drive-thru and it'll be like, look, they're returning. Nature is healing itself. Yes. I, yeah. I think yeah. my favorite of that bunch that I've seen so far is <laughs> somebody last week, <laughs> somebody last week went on a flight with a suitcase full of live crabs. <laughs> and then, and then when they got, when they got to the destination, they had baggage claim. And of course the suitcase of crabs has opened <laughs> and the, the, <laughs> the baggage conveyor belt is just coated in these crabs, just scrabbling along on and dropping onto the floor and people are screaming and things like that. So then of course I saw a great tweet that clips it and says, the crabs have returned to the airport. Nature is recovering. It's so beautiful. And it, I, I really was laughing so hard. I really was. It was great. The suitcase of crabs has opened. Sounds like a like a random ominous sentence generator product. It does. It does. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It so does. It's the so suitcase great. of crabs has opened. Yeah. And it's all over baggage claim. Just okay. ludicrous. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to. Inter- I did mean to interrupt, but I want to return uh, to. The wolves are rebounding. Regular wolves are rebounding. Koi wolves, mm-hmm. the American predator, question mark? Not so sure. Yeah, so the wolves are rebounding. So as a result, it's honestly a little rude. The wolves are like, oh, okay, we got wolves again. Y'all get up out of here before we eat y'all. And you're like, didn't you? I, I did you a favor. Whatever, cool, right? So that's right. kind of what's happened. Uh, so the as far as we can tell, the the interbreeding event has largely ended. That's kind of over now. Now we're back to just, we got wolves and we got coyotes. Right. But it's too late. The koi wolves are here. They're all out. Now, getting back to my original sentence, um, the question is, how important is it to discuss, acknowledge, debate, whether they are or are not a new species, the koi wolf itself? Should we consider Should we consider this to be we got wolves, coyotes, koi wolves, or should we say we've got wolves and coyotes, and then we got this hybrid that are some of both, but just just call just just know there's some in the middle, right? right. That's kind of where we're at. I think I misunderstood the initial question because you were saying they're not a new species, and I thought you meant like they've been a species that's been around for a long time. But now mm-hmm. I understand that you meant like they're not a third thing. Mm-hmm. Do you care about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like definitely not. Definitely. Yeah, not. no, I was more interested at the point in time where they arrive than I am at like the actual distinction. But yeah. More well, you know, I left it kind of broad, uh, kind of for that reason, but I guess that did give you more leeway to actually care about it, which is yeah. funny. Usually I go vague to try and keep you from caring about it. Yeah. But that's all right. Because <laughs> right, here's the I'm, thing. They're freaking koi wolves, man. Yeah. But I'm here and I'm prepared to care. You don't you don't have to. We'll see. Because here's the thing. Now we're really gonna get into so you know, I've said three times now, I think that the zoological circles super hype about it. They're right. loving it. It's on right. you know, it's on fire across all their journals. But here's the thing. Now we're gonna talk about what that actually means. <laughs> Right. So uh, there's been a lot of interesting research about what, how we should think about the koi wolves and what we should consider them. Uh, and so I think the central conclusion is they are not a new species. They are hybrids that are, they are experiencing hybridization. And that is what we should say about them. So um, the other thing I should say is that a uh, koi wolf is the term that 
most of the media has preferred, i.e., The Economist and PBS and a lot of articles. They'll the call them McCoy Wolves. Media. The lamestream media likes to call them McCoy Wolves. Those in the circles, those in the know, the real believers, the true, uh, the true, uh, uh, I don't even know where to take that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the true zoologists. Yes, those those who actually believe in in free zoos, that sort of thing, um, they they acknowledge they prefer to call it the Eastern Coyote because they say it's really just still a coyote that just looks a little different. Uh, and one researcher found that he analyzed the genome of the Eastern Coyote, which is what I will call it from now on for the rest of this, because now we're doing this scientifically. And so, therefore, we no longer can call it the fun thing that people that don't know what they're talking about call it. We will call it the Eastern Coyote. Yeah. Uh, the Eastern Coyote is 64% coyote, Canis latrans, 13% gray wolf, Canis lupus, 13% eastern wolf, Canis lyacon, and 10% dog, Canis familiaris. What? <laughs> yes, 10% dog. Uh, and as one article written by a very very cool i swear a very cool zoologist said sounds like a recipe for canis soup oh roast me all the way horrible super nasty yeah as a as a three-day dog owner i have to say not on board (laughs) yeah don't want it no thank you pass um Another researcher who uh, sort of expanded a little bit more found that coyotes, specifically coyotes in the Northeast, are mostly coyote, 60 to 84 percent, with lesser amounts of wolf and dog. 8 to 25 percent wolf, 8 to 11 percent dog. If you start moving south or east, the mixture changes up some. So Virginia animals actually average more dog than wolf. So those average only about 2 percent wolf, 13 percent dog. Coyotes from the deep south have just a dash of wolf and dog genes. 4% wolf, 5% dog. Uh, Tests have shown that there are basically no animals that are just coyote and wolf. And some eastern coyotes have basically no wolf at all. Uh, And so for that reason, uh, zoologically speaking, we can conclude that there's no single distinct genetic entity that we're going to call a new independent species. All of these eastern coyotes are showing just evidence of past hybridization, and there's no sign that they're still actively mating with dogs or wolves. So we should just say that, no, these are coyotes that are now back to just doing their coyote thing. Um, And some of them just look a little different because they, you know, got a little silly earlier. Uh, But now we're done. At this point, coyotes are spreading. Dogs live. dogs live and the wolves have recovered so all three are much less much more likely to try and kill each other than they are to try and mate right um there's not going to be like one koi wolf to unite them all no that seems pretty unlikely i don't think that's where we're headed if anything we're headed to where we're just going to get a lot more weird looking coyotes uh and that just might be the end of the story here yeah um now this genetic swapping has happened more than once according to genetic history uh, and one study showed that the gene for black coat color that you find in North American wolves and coyotes today, you don't find that gene in old world wolves. So like we're, uh, wolves over in uh, Asia or Europe, they don't have it. Uh, and so they have concluded that that dark coat color gene originated in dogs that were brought to North America by the earliest Native Americans. 
Uh, and so there must have been some prehistoric hybridization event that transferred that dog gene into the wild wolves and coyotes and has oh. just persisted to this day. Huh. I, uh, I would also like to compliment your delivery of the phrase old world wolves. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't I, even think I, about it. You just breeze no. right through. Yeah, I did my best. I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and just go for this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to show you, which, you know, I'm sure that our loyal listeners will love this, but I'm going to show you. Tell You're me screen sharing. Uh, don't yeah. worry. I also have a plan to screen share something that will not translate to audio. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to translate. But you'll see this is a koi wolf, right? Ooh. Um, Hang on. I got to so... move my window here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. so cute. It is. This is a koi wolf. It's basically like a big, it looks like a coyote. Yeah. It's, you know, nice and orange, but it's got but a very wolf huge. face and yeah. it's big and burly. So it's built to take down a few more deer. But I'll also show you, check this out. You'll see here we've got two coyotes. One in the back looks like a pretty standard coyote. Right. That's, you know, nice, nice uh, tan coating. Looks like it could belong on the, like in the sand or just in the forest. The other one is basically colored like a German Shepherd or a Rottweiler, if yeah. you look. But it's otherwise like a just a coyote. Uh, and so this is an example of how these uh, dog genomes have managed to um, keep some staying power in the coyote population, even though they're not really mating at all anymore. Uh, and so finally, we can say that this hybridization across species, this is a natural evolutionary phenomenon. So you could think of this as technically this is something of a precursor to the type of evolution that could lead koi wolves or the eastern coyote to uh, <laughs> develop into a distinct third species. Uh, but for that to happen, they would have to then subsequently cut off their gene flow with non-hybrid animals meaning that you'd have to only have these these coyotes with a high percentage of wolf in them would have to then avoid any coyotes that didn't have a high percentage of wolf in them uh, for a long enough period of time that leads to this distinct third animal that would only mate with other half coyote, half wolf canids, <laughs> that would be the term, uh, that would almost never be willing to interbreed with another coyote. And since we don't have yeah, that, that, we have to conclude yeah, since we don't have that and we don't think we're going to get that, we've got to conclude that coral wolves are not a new species and they're not likely to become one. We just continue to say that they're just, you know, slightly different variant coyotes with a little bit of wolf dog in them. Yeah. And I'll leave you with this quote. For now, we have the eastern coyote, an exciting new type of coyote in the midst of an amazing evolutionary transition. Call it a distinct subspecies. <laughs> Call it an ectomorph. Or call it by its scientific name, Canis Latransver. But don't, I swear, you do not, do not call it a new species. They take it serious. I would say don't call it an ectomorph. <laughs> yeah, you call it an ectomorph. That's not, it sounds like we're talking about a Pokemon again. It's oh, like, I was well, going okay. for Ghostbusters, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's also good. Well, the yeah. Pokemon I visualized was Ditto, which is basically just yeah. some out of Ghostbusters. Uh, Slimer, so. yeah. Yeah, I think we're actually on the same page there completely. Perfect. So yeah, Emily, I ask you at the end, koi wolves are not a new species. Do you care? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was, you, you really got me. You hooked me when you started talking about the geography and I started thinking about the way that like species change like along the eastern seaboard. Yeah. Um, and, and how that how that works. Also, 
Um, our high school mascot was a coyote, but we always said coyotes, oh. and you could tell who was new by if they were like, oh, yeah, go coyotes. Yeah. Uh, we just said goyotes. But because of this, I have some familiarity with coyotes, like, as mm-hmm. a species. Cause yeah. Seen, and also, like, they're in Wichita Falls. Like, they're around, a, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, it was interesting to, like, think about how it would change all the way down. Yeah, that was interesting. You got me. Sweet. I care. Yes, that's the goal. All, all right. Righty. All done. Yeah, mine's yeah, going to sound really stupid. <laughs> Whatever. Probably we did not. a good job of, of topic spread this week. <laughs> did we now? Let's see what we got. Uh, so I have talked in the past about how I try not to talk about movies because like I want you to see the movie and if you haven't seen the movie it's kind of hard to like true get around and I don't actually remember if you and I have watched this movie together or if you have seen it okay but I couldn't resist we're back I wanted to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart (laughs) so my sentence is the movie the lake house is incomprehensible and that's what makes it great okay uh I don't know what that is, so I don't think I can care. <laughs> All right. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't worry. I'm about to tell you what it is. Okay. And and then I want this, the, the, the end of this to be a very interactive discussion because I have a lot of thoughts. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we are, we are 45 minutes out from playing a Star Wars role-playing game, so I'm going to get through the plot quick so we can get to the, uh, get to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm going to set the scene. It's 2006. Pluto is downgraded from planet status, but will always be a planet to me. I, Italy I wins can't the World believe Cup. that this is where we're leading off with, but okay, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I have stances. Um, <laughs> yeah. Italy wins the World Cup. Google buys YouTube. People are saying my wife because Borat is out, but saying my wife hasn't circled around back to being funny yet. I think mm-hmm. it does around like 2017 2018 it becomes funny again and i think it is now firmly funny again Mm -hmm. but i say it a lot and i've never seen borat and i also don't have a wife um but that's kind of that's the headspace we're in in 2006 uh this movie the lake house is a it's a romantic fantasy drama uh starring keanu reeves and sandra bullock um christopher Plummer's in it for a sec there's basically nobody else of note in this movie it's a pretty small small cast i'm sorry i apologize if i'm offending anyone by forgetting them um so keanu's kind of in a dry spell in his career keanu has like three comebacks like keanu has like three peaks he has Mm -hmm. i would say he has more like higher highs than any other actor that i can think of because like tom cruise stays pretty high clooney stays pretty high but like keanu like came on came in strong with Bill and Ted and then kind of like sunk for a minute and then came in strong with the Matrix and then sunk for a while and came in strong with John Wick and and now like always be my maybe like he's like firmly a thing again uh but this is between Bill and Ted and no 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 sorry this is after the Matrix um the three Matrix movies have come out the matrices if you will have come out (laughs) And then, uh, but Keanu still got like six or seven more years before the first John Wick, and this is a really tough low period for him. Like Mm. nothing much is going on. Um, He's been in like five kind of decent to good movies. The best movie he's in in that time period is Something's Got to Give, 
where he loses Diane Keaton to Jack Nicholson, which is the single stupidest decision any woman has ever made in a movie. And I'm counting horror movies where the woman's like, we should split up and I should take my top off. Like every decision a woman's ever made in a movie is better than Diane Keaton picking Jack Nicholson over Keanu Reeves. It, I'll never get over it. Um, no but, that's, but that's kind of like the zone he's in right now. He's like the secondary guy. He does, yeah, or like worse action movies than he had done previously. Sandra Bullock is doing some pretty basic, like, rote rom-coms, the sequel to Miss Congeniality. She's in Two Weeks Notice, which I hate because I don't get why any woman would ever be into Hugh Grant. Um, And Sandra Bullock did Crash, which was, like, big Oscar-winning movie, but now widely acknowledged as, like, the worst Best Picture winner ever because it's super racist. I've never Mm -hmm. seen it. Yeah. It's hard to tell if it's going to be, like, funny enough to laugh at or if it's just going to be so depressing about like the 2000s 2005 idea of what's like crossing racial boundaries yeah we'll see i'll update y'all if i ever watch crash but in 2006 this magic moment sandy and keanu reunite they had worked together in speed in 1994 which was like the og like undoubtedly sandra bullock's breakout role she's a bus driver she's like very normal, very every girl, like the exact kind of thing you're going to want to see her doing for the next 30 years. Um, And Keanu, it was like the role that proved he was viable in action movies to get the Matrix. So like really springboarded him too. And so they're like one of these iconic duos and they reunite in this movie, The Lake House. It's a remake of a South Korean movie with an Italian name. Uh, The movie is called Il Mare, uh, which means the sea because it's a sea house. Uh-huh. in that but okay. this one's set in illinois i think so it's a lake house um, <laughs> some midwest uh, this is the director's only movie in english his name is alejandro agresti and he is from argentina I, yes he's from argentina i wrote he's an argentine director but i didn't it had a trouble <laughs> you're like wait so uh, the, well, he's not from argentine he's from argentine argentina 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 and and the movie is like a little bit confusing and mm-hmm. i wonder if some of it was like lost in translation from like korean film to english language film directed by an argentine director and and uh, a podcast i listened to called blank check goes over like director's filmographies mm-hmm. and ang lee is a director um mm-hmm. who who english was not his first language he's an incredible director but there are stories from the set of Sense and Sensibility where Emma Thompson would be acting and he would be like, come here, come here. Your face is bad. And that was like the feedback he could give. Um, And like he had an interpreter and the interpreter could give it, but there's something like between the director and, and, you know, Emma Thompson was very cool and she wrote the screenplay and she was able to like roll with it. Right. Like, thank you, Aang. I think what you mean to say is I'm not emoting. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, that's part of the incomprehensibility of this movie, I think, might be owed. Or maybe it's just a bad screenplay and I'm making excuses for it. Anyway. I don't know. I also, as when you say it's an, Ar- uh, an Argentine director doing an English remake of a South Korean film that uh, has an Italian name that has been moved to be set 
in Illinois, I'm just like, okay, th- this was not set up to make sense, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. They did like, not stick translations here. Yeah. Uh, so, this movie comes out in 2006, so appropriately enough, we open in 2006. Uh, Sandra Bullock's name in this is Dr. Kate Forrester, and uh, Keanu's name is Architect Alex Weiler, but I'm not going to call, I'm just going to call them by their actor names. It doesn't matter. Um, yes, so, we open in 2006. There's this beautiful glass house by the lake, and it's got this tree coming up in the middle of it that's really pretty. Um, it's like a house I would never want to live in, but I would love to have to like go to because mm. there doesn't seem to be a clear space to change clothes in the house. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, you don't see the bathroom, but it's a movie. Um, yeah. So Sandra Bullock is like clearly moving out of this house. She's packing her stuff in 2006. Um, and she drops this note in the mailbox and she says, hey, uh, to whoever the next tenant is, I love this house. You're going to love it too. Uh, please forward my mail to this address. And uh, the paw print, I'm sorry about the paw prints that are like on the deck leading up to the house. Those were there when I arrived. Um, sorry about that. And leaves the note there. Um, the next tenant comes up to the house next, quote unquote. It's Keanu Reeves, but he's in 2004. He arrives, he finds the note, and there are no paw prints on the deck. He finds this note in this mailbox. Um, there are no paw prints on the deck, and he's like, oh, that's weird. Uh, and he starts to like fix up the house, and he's painting. And as he's painting, this dog runs up, runs through the paint, and like trails paw prints on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm going to give you my first visual aid. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so, I Keanu Reeves him. in the Matrix whoa. does this great face where he goes, whoa. And he's yeah. just like like blank and kind of dumb, but, uh-huh. but sweet and amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the first whoa moment. Because uh, this uh, Keanu writes back and he's like, hey, Sandy, I'll forward your mail, whatever. Uh, How do you know about the paw prints? Like, how'd you know they were going to get made like that? And he leaves that note in the lake house mailbox. But, like, she doesn't live at this lake house anymore. She moved into Chicago. So it's like, yeah. how would she see it? Well, great news. She has a very depressing Valentine's Day in 2006. Uh, so she, like, goes back to the lake house because uh, she's just feeling overwhelmed. And it helps her feel calm. And she finds this note in the mailbox. Um, and she, like writes back to him right away and puts the note back in the mailbox and puts the flag up. And then it cuts to Keanu in 2004 and he sees the flag just go up. So this mailbox is allowing them to write notes through time. Yeah. Two years. Not, yeah. this is not some great sweeping like time travel, epic romance, Kate and Leopold, like centuries apart. No, they're, mm-hmm. they're two years apart in this mailbox and then they start kind of writing back and forth and they like watch the flag go up and they're kind of like looking around for other people um but, but like, then that also means it's yeah so it's allowing them to write notes to each other two years apart but also it's recognizing some kind of linear passage of time because the notes are in order correct okay so there's like a linear passage of time within the mailbox yeah uh and they don't it's like the time it takes Sandy to write and put it in there is the time it takes Keanu to walk away and come back to get, it. you know, like, like the same amount of time is time is passing at the same rate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, don't worry, it gets worse. Okay. Uh, so like the thing that 
that drew her back to the lake house was she's she's a doctor and she was sitting out in daily plaza and she like saw this horrible traffic accident and she ran over to try to save the person uh and he died and like in her arms on valentine's day and she's just like really depressed so she flees to the lake house they have this whole mail exchange and then i bet it will shock you to learn that they start to write to each other and begin to fall in love yeah Uh, they figure out that they have the same dog like the Mm -hmm. dog that wanders into keanu's house in 2004 was her dog in 2006 Okay. Uh, and and also I should preface Midfist say that I don't really understand the timeline of when he lives in the house versus when she lives in the house. I think I do, but I don't necessarily. So mm-hmm. um they have the same dog, so they talk about their dog. Uh she tells him that he's gonna get sick because there was this big flu that went around in in two thousand four and you watch <laughs> in the best shot in the movie, you watch him, he, he reads in the letter you're going to get sick because there was a bad flu in 2004. And he looks up, looks to the left, looks to the right, and sneezes, and then goes, whoa. Like, he doesn't say whoa, but he looks up, like, and, and you see this in the reflection of the window of the lake house. So it's not even him. It's, like, yeah. the reflection. It's incredible. Uh, I will post the gift to our Twitter. Um, incredible. But so they like start to talk about this. And once they believe that this is happening, uh, Sandra Bullock's like, I left this book at a train station. It was my dad's. It's Persuasion by Jane Austen, which is like thematically resonant to the story. Uh, it's about people who's like their time isn't right. And then they their time is right later when they fall in love again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's like, can you go get this book from the train station that I left and like send it back to me through the mailbox? Uh, he goes and he gets it and he like sees her on the train and somehow knows it's her. And uh, the train goes away and she's like, you got my book sick. And he's like, I'm going to keep it for later. And what? like, I'm going to oh. give it to you in person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they go, this is my favorite part of the like logic of the movie is that they go on this inexplicable walking tour of Keanu's favorite places in Chicago. So he gives her a map in the mailbox that's like go because he's an architect he knows buildings mm-hmm. um which by the way is like the ultimate job mindy the mindy project has a whole deal about this this is architect is the ultimate job for like a romantic leading man because yeah. it's like he's smart but he's also creative and he's well paid mm-hmm. uh tom hanks is a architect in sleepless in seattle keanu in this uh ted mosby like this is, architect time. is is the job um on Mindy Project, Mindy Kaling like meets an architect and she tells her friends at the office and they go, oh my God, a real life architect? Like, it's like, wow. Um, so he well, takes- I gotta, I gotta tell you, I yeah. remember growing up um, because I don't even think I figured out what an architect was until like years, years in. And I remember I would see that in like movies and TV shows growing up. And I was always like, I've never met an architect. I've never even heard of someone studying to be an architect and yet all these people are architects so honestly i was like is this like a thing do, do, do white people really want to be architects do i not know <laughs> about this is this just like one of those things it and is. i read back it and like now that i'm older i figured it out i'm like no you have it exactly right it's like yeah. it's the perfect lead for a romantic male for all those reasons but it's just so funny i, I distinctly remember thinking is it is this one of those things is this like one of those things that they all want to be and we don't even know about or what's happening here so <laughs> that's funny. incredible 
so he's using his very romantic, creative, yet analytical architecting skills to make this uh, map for her. She takes the map and goes on this walking tour of Chicago. And there's like, there's like a, a like graffiti on the wall from him in 2004 that's like, I'm glad we could have this walk together on mm-hmm. the walls on the way to one of the things. And as they take this walking tour, the voiceover is them having a conversation back and forth. So is she like, does she take the map and like she writes her thought on each thing and then puts the map back in the mailbox and then he takes it out and he writes his response on each thing? Or is she like looking at a thing, running, like driving an hour out of town, putting the map in the mailbox, getting his response, going back and continuing the tour? That seems unsustainable but they cannot have a back and forth conversation otherwise it makes no sense but it is so romantic there's one time (laughs) just to add to the whole stew of like what is happening in this movie there's one time where she is outside her apartment building and it's raining and i guess she told him about it because like the lightning cracks and like the screen flashes and then there's a tree there when the lightning is done flashing so like he planted a tree for her and is what we're seeing like what could have happened her being soaked by the rain and what did happen are those both happening or is it just they showed us what could have happened but actually there's a tree there and she'll never know that he planted it yeah buck wild it is yeah absolutely wild um so things kind of heat up when like their dog runs from keanu's house to sandra bullock's house somehow and Keanu like meets Sandra Bullock's terrible boyfriend and it's like he's like we're having a party for her tonight and Keanu's like I'm gonna go make my move and so they meet in like mid-2004 and they kiss at her birthday party and her and her boyfriend get in a big fight about it and then she's like writing letters back and forth to Keanu and she's like oh my god that was you because it's in her past but he just did it mm-hmm. and it's like He's like, yeah, that was me. And she's like, why didn't you give me my book back? And he's like, it's not the right time. Uh, But anyway, they kiss and it rules. Um, And then in 2006, Sandra Bullock's like, we need to go on a date. Like, let's just go on a date. I know you'll have to wait two years for it, but you and me, we're going to go out. And so she's like, let's go tomorrow. And this is March of 2005 now. They've been writing letters back and forth for a year. March of 05 for Keanu. March of 2007 for Sandra. Um, So they write letters uh, and Keanu calls in 2005 and makes a reservation in the restaurant for 2007. And for Sandra Bullock, it's tomorrow. So she shows up and he doesn't. And so she's like, you stood me up. And he has no idea if he stood her up or not. He's like, I cannot imagine a single thing that would have kept me from coming, but I, like, I'm sorry. Let's try to meet again. And she's like, no, 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 this is crazy. I should not have done this for a year. I have to go be a real person now. Uh, so they kind of like, they stop writing, they break up. It's sad The you know, song mm-hmm. plays, yeah. et cetera. They, they do like a little montage of like life getting like another year goes by, like life gets worse, blah, blah, blah. Um, Sandra Bullock is sad and she gets back with the garbage ex. Um, and then something happens with Keanu's dad. I don't know. There's some like daddy issue stuff 
in there and Christopher Plummer and blah, blah, blah. Um, and Keanu has a brother who's also an architect, but he's like a pure architect and Keanu's building development. That couldn't matter less. Um, <laughs> uh, but, and like, I think they designed the lake house. Keanu's family built the lake house for his mom and then she died. And then everybody in his family stopped talking to each other, whatever. Uh, so now the movie picks back up on Valentine's Day, two years after their first letter, which is like 2006 for Keanu is the day that Sandra Bullock started writing letters back to him. Mm -hmm. But it is 2008 for Sandra Bullock. And he's like, Valentine's Day 2006. Why does this sound so familiar? And he goes, he's like, oh, that's the first day we started writing letters. She wrote in that letter that she saw a car wreck at Daly Plaza. That means that right now, today, she is in Daly Plaza. David just made the best face. David's eyes got really big and he looked up at the ceiling. Okay, so in 2006, Keanu goes back to get the letters from the lake house. At the same time, somehow in 2008, Sandra Bullock goes to meet with this architect to design a house for her and her trash boyfriend. And she sees a picture of the lake house on the wall. And Keanu remembers that she like finds a letter, says like, oh my God, she's gonna be in Daly Plaza. And so he like gets the letters and he's like, oh, I'm gonna go to Daly Plaza. And at this architect appointment, she meets Sandra Bullock, meets Keanu's brother. And Sandra Bullock's like, that house is beautiful. Who made it or who designed it? And he's like, it was my brother Keanu. He died in a traffic accident on Valentine's Day, 2006. And Sandra Bullock is like, oh damn and she sprints away she leaves her boyfriend at this ar architect appointment long overdue but she like sprints to the lake house and she figures out that keanu knew she was going to be there ran across the street got hit by a car and died in her arms before she knew it was him keanu is the guy that she couldn't save that caused her to go out to the lake house to start writing to keanu which is where we have our second matrix whoa and then you're like oh my god and this meant a lot to me when i was watching it with mike because this is a ridiculous film it's a ridiculous film but mike turned to me and was like is he gonna die and i was like you're invested <laughs> uh, um it made me really happy but uh that's why he didn't show up for their date he yeah. was dead he's dead already um so she runs to the lake house and she puts a letter in it that's like, I know where you're doing. I know what you're doing. Don't go to Daily Plaza. Don't do it. I'm here at the lake house. Stay at the lake house. Just meet me. Your two years. My right now, right here at the lake house. And she like puts the mailbox, the letter in the mailbox. And she puts the flag up because you remember they can see the flag going up and down. She puts the flag up and she's like, what's going to happen? And she like kneels at the mailbox and you're like, and she uh, sorry i made a gesture that was like ah um <laughs> and you just watch the flag stay up and you're like he's already gone he's gonna die it's it history is sealed the fate has happened and then the flag goes down and then almost like instantly after that his truck pulls down the driveway and they meet at the lake house and she somehow changed the past yeah changed history and they kiss, and they go into the lake house with their dog. Wow. Okay. So. Okay. 
so now I have uh, a John Mulaney quote in my outline. It says, now we don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the time travel in this movie is the most complicated, confusing mm -hmm. thing I have ever seen in a movie. So, so I, I am, I'm not like a scholar of time travel. I've started to like look it up on Wikipedia one time and got really like overwhelmed by all the, all the yeah. technical, like deterministic, whatever stuff. But to boil it down, there are basically two types of time travel in like movies and TV. There is, number one is you can change the way things are. That is like back to the future. Like he goes, uh, Marty McFly goes back and interrupts his mom and dad meeting. And so like the picture he has of his siblings they start to disappear because he's changing the, the past. Mm -hmm. um, but then he like unchanges it and everything's fine and him and his siblings still exist. Um, that also happens in about time. About time, you get to like pick where you go back from, but you can only go back to a certain point before you're changing like what kid you're going to have, basically. Like he can't go back farther than like his. Anyway, so you mm -hmm. can change the way things are by time traveling. Like don't mess with the space time continuum basically. Um, and then the second way is that is you've already changed things. That's why they are the way they are. This is contrast like Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry Potter sees Harry Potter, save Harry Potter. Like everything that they do with the time turner has already happened. And that's why things work out. Um, it's also in another Keanu movie, Bill and Ted. Uh, they're chasing the bad guys and Ted goes, Ted, remember a trash can. And then a trash can falls on the bad guy's head. Which means that like Ted later went back and rigged trash cans so it yeah. fall at that minute, or he's yeah. in the rafters or what uh -huh. have you. Yeah. Um, and then there are a lot of things that like kind of play with the two, the mix of the two. Looper, the movie Looper, plays with that, but the main one I could think of was Doctor Who, where mm -hmm. like the doctors like there are fixed points in time that we just like can't touch, can't mess with, but there are also, but the rest of it is wibbly wobbly and you can like change things in there um, and not worry about like destroying the entire universe. Yeah. So which is this movie? So my problem is that, well, so let me, let me, well, I would, I would tweak the one where you say you can change it. So I feel mm -hmm. like you get the one where it's like, you can change it and whatever you change you, you've just changed that in your world. And right. then there's the one where if you go back and you change it, the world you left is the same, but you've now created a different timeline, yeah. right? And it sounds like what this movie does is Sandra Bullock starts on this one timeline. Somehow the mailbox connects her back to earlier in that same timeline. Mm -hmm. And then by changing the past, that has to make a new timeline right because that's the only way that he is alive and does not die it's the only way he's alive but then somehow he gets from the new timeline to her timeline and i think like the crux of the of the confusion is if he never died in her lap on valentine's day 2006 she then there was back. never any reason for her to go to the, the lake house to find the mailbox to start writing it yeah, she doesn't go back. She doesn't go unless back. you want to, unless uh, I guess, unless you say this is the like, this is the certain really important things will happen. 
one way or the other and you can't mess it up but here's the and so you say like no it was just so important that she was gonna go to that lake house that one way or the other she was gonna end up there on valentine's day but here's the thing i can't imagine that him dying from a car crash in her arms wouldn't have also been one of those like really important like i feel like that has to be an important thing in, in anybody's timeline yes like does she said has she now forgotten had, when she raised the flag did she forget that he died in her arms because it never happened anymore like i i don't yeah. or is she the only person on the entire planet who that happened for including keanu like because her friend was there with her when the guy died like is yeah. it just gone from her friend's memory too like is it like what about something? his brother his brother just told her like 20 minutes ago my brother mm -hmm. died in a car wreck yep did that interaction not exist anymore mm -hmm. yeah i i will propose a slightly modified third route Ooh, do based it. on based on a very silly anime that i was watching the other day not even kidding <laughs> like the anime um, what's it called it's called um the disastrous adventures of psyche k and it's it's literally like this comedic anime about this kid who has all powerful psychic powers but keeps them hidden match well i guess it's not even like i, mean, a, I keeps, would yeah, yeah. but it it, it I, I think because it's a comedy he keeps them hidden because he's like I just want to be like a boring person and I'm not boring. So I need to pretend to be boring because yeah. that's just, it's better to be boring. And yeah. so um, that, that idea doesn't have a lot of sympathy on this podcast. No, <laughs> like I'm like, it's fine if you're boring, but whatever you are, you should just probably just be it. So if you're yeah. not boring, maybe you're not supposed to be boring. It's just kind yeah. of weird. But um, his, his mother accidentally tells like five of his classmates that he has psychic powers. And he's able to go in and erase their memory of mm -hmm. them learning that, mm -hmm. but he can't just straight erase it. Uh, when he erases that memory, their brains auto-populate a new one that sort of matches their preconceived notions. So each person came out with a, like each person remembered his mother telling them something shocking about him, but each person remembered a different fake shocking thing because their brains all inserted different things in. And so that's a possibility for what we have I like here, that. I think. Maybe every, maybe, so maybe he didn't die. Um, maybe she doesn't remember him dying. Maybe her friend doesn't remember him dying. And just each of them has now inserted, their brains automatically inserted a new, different, but similar, that would make total sense based on the way their brain works, different thing that fits the premise. Yeah. Uh, so I, th that is interesting because it kind of goes with one of the things that I have thought about, like just this morning, and I've seen this movie like 10 times. I'm absolute mm -hmm. trash. Um, but like I was thinking <laughs> this morning, like it's not, it's great that Keanu didn't die. I want him to live forever. It's also great that um, the bus driver didn't kill somebody that day. You know, yeah, like Sandy great. like did a real solid for this random bus driver who had mm -hmm. this really like traumatic responsibility but you're saying maybe they feel like they did kill somebody that day because it's the only way for the timelines to make sense yeah or they feel like they did something else that induced that same kind of trauma or right. 
horrendous feeling, horrendous remembrance. Like, but that's you know. the only way, because like, what if that bus driver goes home to like her kids and is like hugs them closer and becomes a better mom because yeah. she's like, life is short. I need to do what I can. Or mm-hmm. you know, like, what if she has to pay fines for something or she loses her job, which seems likely. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and I'll save. I, I I have a longer spiel on this that I might use at some point. But human memory is unreliable. Yes, that's <laughs> so, I, that is one of the Malcolm Gladwell episodes I liked. Yeah, and so like Brian Williams. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so uh, you could argue that it's it's not all that inconceivable that yeah no just every single person's brain just inserted something new there that made sense for them. Yep. And so that's what happened. That makes more sense. So there's, uh, I don't know if you've heard the podcast, How Did This Get Made? But it's Jason mm-hmm. Manzukis, June Diane Raphael, and Paul Shear, who, if you don't know their names, you've definitely seen them in like bit parts on every show from The Good Place to Perks and Rick, every yes. beef, like everything of that. But they always get on and have like a guest come on to just like explain a movie or talk about a movie that's bad. And they had Starly Kine, who used to work at This American Life, on to talk about this one. She's an investigative journalist, and she was like, guys, I don't know what The Lake House is about. And, like, they ended the (laughs) podcast not having solved anything. So I feel like we have come up with an even better, like, idea than an NPR journalist came up with. Although she's very smart, and I would never denigrate her. Um, But I'll I'll just close with... Uh, this tweet from where I tweeted in 2018 at Shea Serrano because he wrote something about mm-hmm. that he where he referenced the lake house yeah. and I responded to him and he quote tweeted my tweet and said shout emoji all caps it's a good movie <laughs> so with that Shea Serrano endorsement even though I've already spoiled the whole movie for you um we would love, we at Care for Free would love for you to watch it and tell us what you think happens, what you think the time travel logic is. Um, but anyway, David, do you care about the incomprehensibility of the lake house? Uh, yeah, I've been completely sold. Uh, <laughs> like I said, you, well, I, I feel like you undersold the movie. You're like, this is weird, strange. Item. And I'm like, here's the thing. I would watch this. This sounds like I, the time travel is nonsense, but yeah. I feel like 80% of the time I come out of a movie about time travel going, eh, that ain't make no sense. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, this seems like it would have been good. I care. This, this yeah. is pretty, pretty good. I think with worse actors, it would have been bad. But since they got oh, two, yeah. two top tier folks, mm-hmm. it really is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a, what a first episode back. We really covered a lot of ground. Yeah, bro. Um, we, I think we made real moves here i think i think that we've done a real service to the discourse yeah oh yeah the discourse (laughs) is better i can feel it i think it is i think we really did something here um we we, we've accomplished we have we have i'm proud of us i am this is great uh so tell me one thing you cared about this week other than what we talked about today let's see one thing i cared about this week specifically I think I, the I, I honestly only have one uh, answer that's coming to mind. Um, I recently discovered, <laughs> I recently discovered on Netflix, this cartoon anime called Cells at Work, and the, it and and it's a show where the various cells of the body 
are like characters in the show. And it is E L L S at work. That's correct. C E L L S. <laughs> and it is it is aggressively accurate scientifically. <laughs> uh, and I've accidentally relearned at least at least a six weeks worth of bio from the only four episodes that I've watched. Oh my it's god, like... that's great. Can you help me write trivia? <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. We'll do that. I, I can help you write trivia. It it it's hilarious. Like it's 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 honestly just mostly hilarious that I accidentally came out of it with actual reignited biology knowledge. It's that very is silly. Incredible. But it, is it more like is it more like a traditional anime in feel or is it more like a magic school bus type like fun but you're learning? Uh, I think it's kind of in between the two. The, it, it is straight up like an anime, but like a, a, a character will pop in and then there'll be like a freeze frame <laughs> and they'll just be like, Streptococcus, it can cause blah, 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 blah. And then you go back to the anime. So Shut that's up. what, so that's what I mean where it's like you just accidentally learn information where I didn't realize I was until I was like, sweet, look at this crazy show I found. And then we're like going through the intro and I was like, yep, that's a B cell that's a T-cell, that's a mast cell. And she's like, what's a mast cell? And I was like, oh, they release histamines when a foreign object is detected in the body. And I was like, wait, what What just happened? <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's uh, one thing I care about this week that uh, I'm enjoying. Yeah. Uh, so check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think mine is also streaming, but it's totally different. Um, uh, Little Fires Everywhere is almost over. And I'm going to read the book after the show, but it's really, really, really good. I mean, I, I think, I think Reese Witherspoon is, is a, a vision always, uh, but I think she's at the height of her powers when she's playing somebody who's like a very cute white lady who is evil. Um, mm -hmm. And she's done that a couple of times, but I think she's really like mastered it here. Like she's like big little lies to the power of election. Um, and I think she's really good at being evil and being like, ah, what me uh and like obviously carrie washington is incredible the woman can act with every like breath and tremble of her face um they they just did an episode where they do this like flashback to what carrie washington's character went through when she was younger and the mm -hmm. actress they got to play young carrie washington is uncannily like her it is really so, there was a time when she like breathed in and i was like is that <laughs> actual Carrie yeah. Washington is this an AI like it was yeah. insane so um until they make an Emmy for best impression of a well-known actress my recommendation is uh Little Fires Everywhere it's very dramatic and juicy but it's also like really good about I don't know it making you think and mm -hmm. it's set in the 90s so like there's stuff that you know is wrong now but it also shows you how like me as a white person I'm like oh yeah I I definitely grew up in a house where they didn't understand how wrong some of the things they did were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I love sure. I love my parents both very much. We've all learned a lot since the nineties. We Indeed. hopefully as a culture have learned a lot. And they're That's very the good goal. people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well dope. Yeah. Uh those are I think that those are two pretty good things to care about, I think, going out of this. So yeah. sweet. We'll go ahead and um tell people to check them out and we'll see see if you care too let us yeah. know feel free to hit us up at at gimme jacob more 